This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're on the same planet over here. <laughs> anyway, so I think that the subject of rationalization, which we all do, not all of us, some tzaddikim in the room, but we, we try to make things right even when they're very wrong. Um, it's very, very much connected to Megillah's Rus. How's it connected to Megillah's Rus? So it's a very interesting thing. Um, at the end of Megillah's Rus, when Boaz was going to marry Rus, Poni Almoni said, I don't want any part of this, right? So it says, they gave her a bracha. Hashem should give you this woman into your house. Wrong order. Who came first? Rachel or Leah? Leah was older. So it should say, On top of that, who are they giving a bracha to? Boaz. What shape it was Boaz from? Man, you guys are still sleeping. You're only supposed to stay up. I'm only supposed to stay up one night, Shuas. Not the whole week. No, oh, you're trying to make up for it. You want to show Hashem that I, I didn't stay up. You don't want to show Hashem, I didn't stay up the night of Shuas because I couldn't sleep. By showing how tired you are tonight, you're saying, Hashem, really? I wanted to sleep. Really? I'm dead tired. And at least today I stayed up to be with you. So that's why you're all falling asleep tonight in share. Oh, you see? You have to be Lamad Shuas. We can rationalize falling asleep tonight in share. Right. Okay. But anyway, seriously, who did you who the who did you who this mother? There are people watching this show and wondering who am I teaching here? Who is you who this mother? Leah. So why would they bench? Why would they bench Boaz, who comes from Shevet Yehuda, and first mention Rachel? This didn't bother you. It didn't bother your whole shvuas. They blessed you. You should you should be like the house of Rachel and Leah. They should have said Leah and Rachel. He came from Leah. Good question, no? It's a bomb question. Boom! Can't wake them up. Okay. That's very nice. So? So? So Leah and Rachel. So they know why you're benching with Leah's name. If you're benching with Leah's name, already put it first. No? How did Yosef sustain you? He saved the whole world. All right, a little lumdish, a little lumdish. We're going to go a little different direction, but we're going to go in a direction. But then, they weren't finished. Let's get Aleph, where they should be, like Rachel and Leah. I should banish them of Beis They built Beis Yisrael. And then they began not the blessing. Your house should also be like the house of Peretz. Asheyolda Tamal Yehuda. That Tamar, who was with Yehuda, we all know the story of Tamar and Yehuda. Do we know the story of Tamar and Yehuda? Yes. Was it such a nice story? Why would you give a bracha? Why would you give a bracha to someone that your children should be like that story? Yehuda thought she was a Zainah. Right? She became pregnant from him. What kind of bracha is that? What's going on here? You give a bracha, imagine, 
You got married, right? That's a great imagination. You got married. You're coming down from the chuppah. A guy walks up to you and says, I want to give you a bracha that your marriage should be like Tama and Yehuda. Except there wasn't a marriage. Well, your children should be like coming from Tama and Yehuda. You'd be like, uh, did I invite you to this wedding? Like, what's going on here? They, they, they said this publicly. Publicly, they said, your, your children should be like those who came from Tama and Yehuda. And Boaz, and they accepted this bracha. If anything, they should have said, you should, you should be like Sari Meno, Rifki Meno. If you're saying you're ready, Rachel Leah, say Sari Rifka. Where does Tamar and Yehuda come in here? Yeah, well, well, they weren't trying to embarrass them. What's going on over here? What is going on over here? Tonight's share is going to explain. And, you know, they were trying to bring the name of Okay, but it's still not the bracha. You're right, that was Yibum, and he was his fault, Yehuda, that he was supposed to do Yibum, and he didn't do Yibum. But, but, but that's not, what's the bracha of Tamar and Yehuda? So, I want to say like this. Let's go back and check this out. Pashan Yeshev. Oh, we're going to learn something exciting tonight. Okay, this is the story. Vayira Yehuda, Yehuda saw her. Vayichashvel Zainak, he kissed her panah. Her face was covered. He thought that she was a Zaina. Vayayman, he said, "I need a shalach. Give the Izim and sign. I'm willing to pay you. How am I going to pay you? I'm willing to pay you." To be with you with a gedi. What's a gedi? A goat. Right? Um, no, gedi is me. It's a goat. We're not selling from the flock. So she said, how do I know you're going to pay me? You're going to leave. You're never going to pay me. Right? You didn't have credit cards in those days. So he said, okay. Uh, she said, give me something to prove you're going to come back and pay me. He says, what do you want? So she said, I want your ring. Your signature ring. I want your stick. Okay? Deal. But Yishlach Yehuda's Gedeizim, and Yehuda sent the goat to this lady, and there was no lady. Moloy Motzah, they could not find her. And they asked the people, where's that lady that was living at the, at the side of the road? And they said, we don't know what you're talking about, there is no such lady. Okay. So they couldn't find her, so they couldn't give her the Gedeizim. What happened? She gets pregnant. She's not allowed to get pregnant. She's not allowed to get married. She's Yibum. So what happens? Your daughter-in-law Tamar sinned, and she's pregnant. Take her out and burn her. Who? Pretty heavy. She was Mazana. She's pregnant. Take her out and burn her. All right. So. She sent the message. She should have gotten up and said, Burn me! Pregnant! I'm pregnant from you! Uh-uh-uh. She would not embarrass him. She would not embarrass him. Tama had those midos. She was 100% right, but she would not embarrass him. So what did she do? She sent him the stick, right? And the ring that he gave her. Uh-oh. So 
Send that to Rabbi, send that to ask him if he recognizes it. Quietly she did it, not in front of anyone. Vayake Yehuda! And Yehuda recognized that it was him. Vayayman, he said, Tzadka Mimani! She's more righteous than me! Kial Kainlan is a deal of Shayla! Because it's my fault, I was supposed to give her for Yibam to Shayla! But he was scared, she married, she married, uh, these two guys and they both died. He wasn't, didn't want to lose his third child. Right? She said, I'm wrong. And then she was pregnant with twins. And the first one that came out, right, um, she put a red string around his hand. And then, so, Yehuda did not hide what he did. He did not rationalize it. He did not make himself right. She did the wrong thing. Not my fault. She, my first two sons died. Da, 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 da. No rationalization. He said, I'm the guy who got her pregnant. Let her go. He didn't hide anything. Okay? So he had the mina of admitting that he was wrong. Which is a very big mina. Yehuda was the king. Yehuda was the leader. That's a very beautiful guy. Don't forget what I'm about to tell you. You think what you do in life, right? You can get away with something. You can't get away with nothing. What you do, Hashem is very into Mida, Kenegad Mida. Very into Mida, Kenegad Mida. Why was he punished with a Gedi? The bottom line is, right, he tried to make a deal with this goat. And the goat, he couldn't find it to pay the goat. So now... He, he, and he didn't have the goat with him, so he had to give her the stick and the thing. Had he not given her the stick and the ring, let's say he would have never given her the stick and the signet ring. She, no, she, she would have said, you were the one who did it, nobody would believe her. He, she would have had a, a goat that would have had steaks and a barbecue, and that would have been the end of it. Right? It's not his gadi. But here he had a signet ring or whatever it is. So what got him into trouble? They didn't have the gadi. Had he had the gadi, Yehuda would have not been embarrassed. Why did he get punished for the gadi? Anyone know? Anyone know why he got punished with the Gedi? He didn't have the Gedi, so he got all embarrassed. He couldn't pay for it. So he gave his stick, and then she had the stick. And then in front of everybody, everybody realized he was the one who was with her. He, he was embarrassed in front of everybody. What did he do wrong? So I'm going to tell you what he did wrong. No. That's why it says, What did Yehuda do? He came up with the idea. They took a goat. And they dipped it into blood. So he took the gedi, he took the goat, and he dipped it into blood to fool his father. So in the end, he took a gedi to fool his father. What ended up fooling him? And he didn't have a Gedi. That's what fooled him. He didn't have the Gedi to pay, so he got fooled. He gave him all this other stuff. He didn't know who it was. The whole thing went down through a Gedi. And his punishment was, you use a Gedi to fool your father? Then there's going to be a Gedi that's going to fool you. Whatever you use to hurt someone else, it's coming back to hurt you. I've seen it many times. 
Hashem is so into that the knife that you use to kill someone else is the knife that's going to kill you. I'm just giving you an example. I'm not the knife. I'm just giving you an example. So the Gedi, you went ahead, you came up with this whole plan to fool Yaakov Avinu. Okay, now the Gedi is going to take you down. Okay, but anyway, the, the, the bracha, the bracha was that your child, your child, right? Your marriage and your, your marriage, first of all, should be like that of, of Yehuda and Tamar, that she, listen to this marriage. Listen to this marriage. It's an amazing marriage. How have I everybody should have such a marriage? Tamar would not embarrass her husband. And Yehuda would admit when he's wrong. <laughs> How many guys in this room will admit when they're wrong? I'm, I'm a re, 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 uh, re, re, uh. I know some guys that cannot say I'm sorry. I know people cannot sit, tell their wives I'm sorry. I'm, um, you know, I, um, I didn't really mean, I, I'm, just say you're sorry. I, I'm, uh, I'm so, I'm so, so, I'm so, so, so. Can't say they're sorry. Not with meaning. Or they just say, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, I'm sorry. And the wife's like, oh, I don't, then I'd rather you don't say it. If you don't mean it, don't say it. So over here, you have a marriage where someone's like, I'll die. I'll die in public. Before I'll embarrass you with She would have died. She would have gone to the, to the strafe. If he would have denied that it was his, she wouldn't have said one word. She would have died. She would have been burned to death in order not to embarrass her husband. Yeah, well, that was the whole thing. He was having, he was, he was the, he was the evil. But the Torah tells us that after that, he wasn't with her anymore. Once he knew who she was, right. Really, his youngest son should have been with her. He, he said, you were right. I had a chiv in Yibam. The next chiv in Yibam was Shayla. But he didn't want to give his third son to her because he thought she was a killer wife. For, or Er married her, he died. Oyinan married her, he died. He had one son left. He's like, eh, eh, eh. I understand that, but she's not so he's next in Yibam. Who is next in Yibam? Oh, yeah, because he didn't give Shayla. If, if you're not going to give Shayla, you're next. Yehuda was next. Oh, yeah. But he wasn't with her anymore after that. Because, I, I, again, there's a whole thing about Yibam in that, but that the fa- if the father, exactly how much he's chayving Yibam over there, but Lemaise, he was chayving Yibam because he did not give his son, so he was next. He was next in Yibam. He was next in Yibam. So she was willing to die, that her husband should be embarrassed, and he, who was the king of Klyestral, got up and admitted that, what he did. So, so that's a, that's a, that's an amazing marriage. He says he's sorry. She's like, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have hurt you anyway. So that was the bracha that they were giving. But they were also giving the bracha to own up. He owned up to what he did. Now it's very interesting because I'm in the middle of writing this book, which I'm one day going to finish on spiritual DNA. And this whole thing is based on spiritual DNA. Because the ability to admit that you did something wrong in public is very, very hard. I remember, um, I have a share, it must have been two years ago when I talked about my gambling addiction, my playing, and I talked about, and I admitted it, and, and some, a lot of people sent me emails and they were like, you know, that's so brave of you to get up and talk about, you know, your stuff. People don't ever talk about their stuff. And then there's this one rabbi who sent me a scathing email that you don't understand what you did, you just damaged yourself, people looked up to you, People listen to your words. 
Now they know you were a gambler. You don't know how many Talmudim you lost because of this. You lost my respect. Ooh, I got such an email. Keep it secret. If you have, if you did things when you were younger, keep it secret. Don't talk about it. I'm the opposite. I'm like, you need to know that the guy sitting in front of you wasn't no malach, right? And he's very human. And I and I had this right. So anyway, you know what I sent them back an email? I sent them back an email the following. I said, Rabbi Wallenstein's a little guy. So to admit that I was a gambler, whatever I was, but I know someone much bigger. And it wasn't Jehuda. I know someone much bigger that spoke about what he did wrong. And he admitted it in public. And it was published. And we all say it many times. I said, so if you're saying that I did something wrong, then he surely did something much more wrong. So he said, I didn't want to tell him who it was. So he sent back an email. You have to tell me who the rabbi is. I have to know about this. So tonight I'll tell you what I told him. So the answer to this question is as follows. Well, first of all, so their first bracha, their second bracha was, let's get this straight. A husband and a wife, a husband that's able to say, I'm wrong. I'm sorry, I'm wrong. And not only did he say he's wrong, he said something more than he's wrong. Because some people will say they're wrong, but they won't say you're right. That's a big step. In other words, I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm not, but you're not right. I might be wrong, but you're not right. Right? He said here, but Yaka Yehuda, first of all, he recognized, so he didn't rationalize. Hey, let's talk about that. If you recognize what you did, then you may not rationalize what you did. She's more righteous than me. So it's not only just he said he's sorry, but he said she's right. She's more righteous than me. Okay? Because I didn't give her Shayla, and that was an Avera. I should have given her Shayla. But I was scared. I didn't want to lose my, you know, I didn't want to lose my son. So again, they gave a big bracha over here. Like you should be like Yehuda and Tamar that gave birth to Perex. You should have such a marriage. A marriage where the husband can say to the wife, Tzadka, you are more righteous than me. How many guys in this room, including Rabbi Wallstein, said to his wife, you're more righteous than me? Yehuda, the leader of all the Shvatim, and it wasn't his wife, so to say. It was a girl that was Tamar. Okay? And he publicly announced this. What a bracha to give that you should have such a marriage. And a woman who was ready to be burned, burned in public to death. And that's say a word. Not to embarrass her husband. Wow, that's a bracha. Now the guy comes over to you by the chuppah and says that to you. Give him a hug and a kiss. He's a lamdin. He gives you such a bracha. But they gave another bracha. And they gave a bracha that should be a house. Like Rachel Belea. Right? So we learned this past year, if you remember... That Rachel, right? Rachel had that same midah. The same midah as not rationalizing. Not rationalizing. Where do we see that? When we spoke about the Medrash Rabbah in Echa, Ba'ishashah comes to Rachel, Yimeno, Fnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rachel Yimeno jumped up in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Amish Teri, Banish Lailam, Brother Fnecha, you know, Shiyat Radrovani, Ava Yisera, you know that Yaakov would be to love me more than anyone else. No rationalization. You knew that. And, and he worked for me for seven years. And when the seven years were over, it was time to get married, right? She admits it. She doesn't rationalize. 
She said, and it was very hard for me, because I was right. Lamaisha, I was right. He worked for me for seven years. Why should I let my sister marry him? So it was very hard for me. She admitted it. She admitted it. They had this ability. Yehuda had this ability to admit when he was wrong. She had this ability to admit that it was very hard for me. And I came up with this whole Eitzah to tell my husband to make a simon so that my daughter, my sister, should get kicked out of the room. Right? I came up with this whole system that my father won't be able to switch to us. But I worked on myself. You know what that means for Rachel Imenu to say that? I controlled my lust. Rachel Imenu? Lust? Taiva? Rachel Imenu had Taiva? Yes! Yes, I had Taiva, she said. What a bracha. To have, to have a marriage where I'm right. Rachel Mano was right. He loved me. He worked for me seven years. Why do I have to let them switch? Why do I have to? I'm right. The Maisie worked for me. But I thought about it and I controlled myself. And I said, you know what? I don't want to hurt my sister. So I was, she says, I was under the bed when they were together. And when Yaakov Levina would ask Leia a question, I answered from under the bed. It's craziness. I'm not only, not, and not only I didn't think I was wrong, but I knew that I was right. And even though I was right, I still did this for my sister. Many times in marriages, you're right. I talk about this all the time in Shalom Bayez. You're right, and she's wrong. And many times when people come to me about Shalom Bayez, the problem between the husband and wife is that the husband always has to be right. He will argue, he will argue till she sees his point. She told, the, the women that came to me, he sits till four o'clock in the morning. I have to sit in bed and listen to him because he's going to keep harping that he's right, he's right, he's right, he's right. <laughs> now let's say he is right. If you're in a good marriage, why do you want to be right? Because if you're right, she's wrong. Why do you want to make another person feel wrong? Somebody you feel that you love, you want to make them feel wrong in a stupid argument that has no meaning whatsoever. So it's all about you being right. But Lamaisa, if you really love somebody, so you know in your heart that you're right. And you make the switch that Rachel did with Leah. Rachel was 100% right. He worked for her. Her father was trying to trick Yaakov. She had all the rights in the book. In the end, she still gave it to Leah. Because it wasn't about her being right. It was about Leah not being hurt. So in a marriage, it's not about being right or wrong. It's about the other person not being hurt. So even though you know you're right, Rachel was right. He worked for her for seven years. She knew that she was right. Even though you know you're right, your wife is telling you something which is totally wrong. Totally wrong. But it's not a halacha. It's an opinion or whatever it is. And if you say, you know what? After thinking about it, you're pretty smart. That's really, I like what you're saying. You're, you're right. And it makes no difference in your life. So now you're making the other person happy. Isn't that what love is? Isn't that what caring about someone else is? But if you only want to hear yourself that you're right, you're going to make her crazy till 4 o'clock in the morning. So you don't love her, you love yourself. So the bracha that Chalai Yisrael was giving to these two that were getting married should be like Rachel Malaya, that even when you're right, you're willing to be wrong. The Rachel Malaya was what? What? No, Rachel Malaya. Their relationship. No, just they, they can't say Rachel, Rachel Malaya. Their relationship. And Leah. And Leah. Also did something very big. The flowers.
when she gave the daduim. Because she knew the one thing she had above her. Well, forget about that. Forget the daduim. Do you know what she did with, with that she that she that she gave up Yosef? That she davened the dina in her stomach. That, that she had Yosef and turned to look at that 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 we spoke about. She had that shavit. She had Yosef atzadik. She had Mashiach ben David and Mashiach ben Yosef. And she gave up Yosef because she said to Hashem, "My sister's not going to have two like the shvachos." She gave up Mashiach ben Yosef at Friday, and now she knew all that up and had dina. So she's also what. Leah didn't even know about that, it says. Leah didn't even know that there was a whole thing going on. But had Rachel not said anything, it would have changed the whole thing. Then he would have met, if hadn't she had said anything, he would have married Rachel first and married Leah second. Right, Who says? Leah still would have had six kids. Doesn't change anything. So, so Leah, Leah, right? Felt bad for her sister and was willing to give up one of the shvatim, as we know she davened. Rachel did what she did. So it wasn't about being right. It was about making the other person feel good. That's the essence of marriage. That's the bracha that Klai gave for Mashiach to be born, right? You want Mashiach to be born in your house? Don't always be right. You don't always have to be right. Be willing to die. I'm not I mean die physically, but die not to insult your, your, your partner and, and be willing to admit when you do something wrong and, and, and be straight up like Yehuda. So this is a huge bracha, but what happened from it, and that is what I, um, what I told, um, this rabbi, it's as follows. I sent him back an email. I said, so you feel that a person shouldn't talk about his past Especially if you're a leader and people listen to you, it's not a good thing. You should, everyone should think you're a big tzaddik since you're born. He was very upset. He said, oh, you're following, it's going to be this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, yeah, really? Well, let me ask you a question. Listen to this. Kapitol Nun Aleph. And Tehillim. Written by David HaMelech. La Matzeach Mizmola David. This was written when Nathan Anavi came to David HaMelech. Because David HaMelech, we know what happened with him in Batsheva. Hashem, please show me, show me Chain. Forgive me for my sin. Wash me from my my Taharani, and from my sins, purify me. You ready? Keep pushai aniada. No rationalization. Now, what happened with David Amalek? You know the story when I went David Amalek? With Batsheva, right? So the story with David Amalek with Batsheva was that. Actually, it goes all the way back to... He sent them out to kill him. He went to... No, no, no. What happened here is... What happened here is as follows. I'll read it to you from inside. Hold on. David HaMelech. So he couldn't get the sword. He couldn't get the sword out of Goliath's 
sheath to cut his head off. The Cherev Aimbi had David. David didn't have a sword. He had a slingshot, right? Vayarat David, vayamad al aplishti, and he stood by the plishti. Vayikach es chaba vayishlo tmitaroi, and he killed him, and he took his head off, and he showed it to everyone. Now it's brought down that. Could not get the sword out. He could not get the sword out. He doesn't bring it down here. Hold on, hold on. Who had the keys? Who had the keys? He could not. He couldn't get the key, so he made a deal. What was his name? No, what was his name, boys? Yeah, what was his name? Uri, not Uri. Something like that. Uh, He was. Oh, I don't have the medrash here. Give me a medrash, a medrash on Shmuel, medrash Rav on Shmuel. Huh? Yeah, but he he um he was a guy. He was he was he was Gullius's sword carrier, and his Gullius's sword was in a scabbard that was locked. So when Gullius went down, Tavramelov tried to take his sword out. The measure says to chop his head off, but he couldn't. So he said, "If you become Jewish." I will give you any girl that you want to marry in Klaisro. Uriah. Uriah. Right, that's his name. Okay. So Uriah, what? Because I can't give you, I can't give you a girl if you're a guy. So he said, give me the keys so I can chop his head off with the sword, but I'll give you Uriah. But I'll give you any girl that you want. So the Medrash says that Hashem said, chutzpah, you think, you think that my daughters are free that my daughters are free okay it's fine my daughters are free for you to just take what you want so Hashem said you're giving my daughters away to everywhere I'm going to take your zivug so but Sheva was David HaMelech zivug and Hashem gave it to Uriah because he said if you think you're the you're giving away girls then I'm going to give away your girl to him so Uriah married but Sheva now Uriah Uriah was was um Two things. When the Jews went to war, they used to divorce their wives. So that if the, if the man was lost, you wouldn't have any guna problem. So everybody would divorce their wives, they would go to war, and then they'd come back and they'd remarry him. Unless you're a client, and a client didn't go to war, right? So Uriah divorced his wife, number one, before he went to war. Number two, so she was a single woman, Batsheva. Number two, he was Mori Bamachus. And Mori Bamachus is Chayev Misa. So there were two reasons that David Melch did nothing wrong. One, the guy was, she was divorced, she could marry anybody, right? Two, he was Chayv Misa anyway. So he had rationalization, he had the rationalization to send Uriah to war. He sent him in the front lines. He knew he'd get killed, right? So he had his rationalization. 
Your wife, I want to marry your wife, and she's divorced. Have a good day. What? So, so David Amela said, and that's when you take away the rationalization and you see who you really are. Kiposhai and the Ada. What came first? I wanted to marry Bathsheba. So Kiposhai and the Ada. I know my sin. Vichatosi negdi tamid, and my sin is always in front of me. In other words, I'm not because you try to rationalize it, it goes away. Ah, not my fault. She's divorced. He deserved it. No, 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 no. So I wrote to this rabbi. I'm like, I'm talking about gambling. David Amelov's talking about Batsheva. If David Amelov could write here about Batsheva, right? Because David Amelov doesn't have to write about Batsheva. He has all the excuses not to write about Batsheva. But he wrote it to you to understand that who, I, who, he, who he was and what he went through and who he became, right? So I said, you know, then you can't take a pit on the and, he, and David Amel talks about this a lot. He's saying in front of all of us at the hill, not Aleph, because I know my sin, and my sin is always in front of me. To you, Hashem, I have sinned. Take away all the excuses. In the end of the day, what did Yosef Asadik say? I have an excuse. She's, she, she wasn't consummated. You know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Potiphar's wife. She never was with her husband because he was gay. We know that whole thing. And in the stars it says we're going to have Jewish children. But I know that to you, Hashem, if I'm going to do this, it's wrong. Bottom line, if you want to see through the sand and through everything, what I'm about to do is what Hashem wants me to do. If the answer is no, then you can't do it. So he says, I sent to you, Hashem. And I did the wrong thing in your eyes. Wow. And he goes on. And here is where Pasik is said that all of us say three times a day. In this capital of Nun Aleph, where he admits what he did, don't send me from before you. We say the Shashmakaleno. Don't take away my soul, Hashem. Bring me back my happiness. Let the people who sin learn from this. Their, their ways. Right? And then he says, Hashem, tiftach, Before you daven, get rid of your rationalization, guys. Before you start Shmon Esrei, Hashem, right, tiftach, I'm going to open my mouth, what capital of Tehillim is that written in? Where do we get that? That we say before Shemana Esrei every single day, three times a day, in the capital where David Amelach says, don't rationalize. I sinned. I did something wrong. I did something wrong in the eyes of you, Hashem. I have all the excuses in the world. I have all the excuses in the world. But at the end of the day, between me and you, it just was wrong to send him to the front. It just was wrong. I had all the excuses, but it just was wrong. At the end of the day, said Rachel Imenu, it just was wrong to embarrass Leah. At the end of the day, Yehuda said, it's just, it's just wrong not to admit that it was me. Where did David Amalek get this from? Spiritual DNA, where did he come from? He came from Tamar and Yehuda. He came from Rachel the Leah. That's where he came from. He came from Leah, right? So, so these, these, these traits that they were giving him a bracha, that you should be like Rachel and Leah and Tamar, and, and, uh, and what's it called? Tamar and Yehuda, 
This is all a bracha of being honest with yourself. Like they were all honest with themselves. And if you're honest with yourself, there's no rationalization. If there's no rationalization, then you could be a king. And you could be a husband, and you could be a wife, and you could say, I'm, I'm wrong when you're right. And you could say, you're right when the person's wrong. And you're not going to embarrass the person. You're willing to die before you embarrass such a person. This was a new digger bracha that Bayaz got and Rus got. And this is Malchus. This is Davana Malach. This is, this is, this is, this is what true is. He was born on true is. He died on true is. This is, this is what we're supposed to come out with. Alright. Um, the short story. It's godless. The whole thing is, it's, it's, it's amazing. Nun Aleph is absolutely amazing. It's amazing. Davana Malach gets up and Nun Aleph talking about, he's not talking about gambling. He's talking about, it's like, I sin, but I sin to you. I think that's the most important thing, because in your rationalization sometimes, you're right. But ugh, it's still not what Hashem wants me to do. I'm right, but it's not what Hashem really wants me to do. I don't want to get into a whole thing that just happened, but well, the thing that happened, whatever it is, where there were, there were these kids being Michal Shabbos, and, and they were approached, and some people agree with what the rabbis did, some people don't agree with the rabbis. I'm not giving my opinion, but if you think about it, and you take everything away, and you say, Kush Baruch Hu, it's his children. Does he want to see his children go against his other children? You're right, maybe it's the right thing to do, we have to stop the smoking on Shabbos, we have to stop the Chol Hashem. And, and, but when you make that decision about what you want to do, you have to think about, what about Tati? What about Hashem? Hashem is looking at his children. These are being Mechal Shabbos. These are sitting and learning. I want them to love each other. I don't want them to fight with each other. So maybe you're right. And maybe, and maybe you're Kanoi. And maybe that's, that's, that's the first. But Dabar Melech is saying, hey, but Chetasi Lelukim, you're right. I might be right, but if, is that what Hashem wants? Sometimes you're right, but it's not what Hashem wants. How can that be? It can be. Sometimes a person's right, but it's not what Hashem wants. It's the fifth chalik of, of, you know, of, 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 of Shulchan Aruch. Don't want us to always be right. So that's what he said over here. So he, first he says, I push I, I sin. But then in the next passage he says, you know Hashem, I sin to you. At the end of the day, you know my heart. You know my soul. You know what was really going on. It wasn't all Mosheim Shemayim. That's what he says. And then he says, Once I, from my mouth I admit that I'm wrong and I, and I don't rationalize. Now I can talk to you. Now I can down. Now I can open my mouth. We say that by every Shmon Esrei. It comes from Nunalaf. It doesn't come from Halalukas. It comes from Nunalaf. We're talking about Batsheva. It's a big Kiddush. Okay, so I want to end with this. There's a Mishnah about The Mishnah of is don't give up because of things are bad. There's a different translation, but that means don't give up if you see that the Tzaddik is suffering and the Russia is doing well. Well, don't, don't give up. When you're going through hard times, don't disyayish. Don't give up. You know, there's a thing called Yishlamidas. You ever learned that? Bab Matsya? Yishlamidas, have a Yish, away, have a Yish. If somebody loses something, but he doesn't even know that he lost it, and you found it, right? When he finds it, when he finds out that he lost it in the garden, the game's over, he's gonna give up hope, so can I keep it already now? Yishlamidas, have a Yish, away, have a Yish. My Rebbe used to give up and say, Yish, Shalomidas. Giving up hope means you have no brains. Yish, Shalomidas. A person who has Das, who thinks, will never give up. Yish, a person gives up, Shalai Midas, he's not thinking. So I want to tell you, 
very different story because a lot, of, a lot of people are coming out, you know, a lot of kids and stuff, whatever. The miyayish, people call me like, I'm miyayish, my kid's lost. I mean, I give up, I give up, I can't. I tried this method, I tried that method, I tried this rehab, I tried that rehab. I paid him, I didn't pay him, I gave him allowance, I didn't give him, I, I, I can't. I give up. I want to tell you a story about giving up. So there was a father, and he had three sons, my three sons. His father had three sons. His youngest son he loved the most. His youngest son was a tzaddik. Went to Dalai, went to learn, did his work, it was beautiful. Middle son? Middle way, not, so, not such a good guy. Oldest son, a Russia Marusha. Every Avera you could think of, no Cuban of aim, whatever it was. They lived on an island, his father in a big castle with his three sons. One day he told his sons, listen, I'm dying. I have this terrible disease, I'm dying. All my money, I have nothing here, just this castle. All my money is in the mainland, in a bank. You three guys, I'm going to give each one of you a boat. Whoever gets there first, gets all the money. Okay? Oldest one says, I'm the oldest. All of a sudden he's the oldest. I'm the oldest. I want the best boat that you got. Father says, no problem. Sends the boy down. Huge yacht. Party boats. Girls. Music. Food. Beer. Champagne. The older brother gets on there. Big engines. And they start to go far away to go to the, to the mainland to get the money. The next brother says, what about me, dad? He goes, no, I didn't forget any of you. I got something for you too. Huge sailboat. Right, beautiful sailboat. Also drinks and mices and zakat. Gets on the sailboat, puts up the sail, the wind's blowing. A schooner. That guy's in his boat, this guy's in his boat, and the little, little son, the tzaddik, says to his father, what about me? He says, yeah, yeah, I have a boat for you too, don't worry. Goes down to the shore. It's a rowboat. Comes out to the shore, it's a rowboat, it's not even a rowboat. It's not even a rowboat. It's a kayak. One guy. In that little hole with the thing. That's it. Not a rowboat, we can put three people. A kayak. His father's standing at the top of the, the hill. He turns to his father and says, Tati, I'm your best son. I did everything you want me to do. A kayak. Just go. Just go, don't worry. Okay? Gets it to the kayak. The other two chevra, big, huge boats, they're going out. He's going with his kayak, Nebuch, the poor guy. Now, these two guys think it's very funny that their younger brother was such a goody-goody. In a kayak, they're like, you know what? You're going to make circles, waves. We'll flip them over. Let's flip them over. So the guy in the big boat with all the girls and every big party boat starts to make these rounds around the kayak. The kayak's going up and down and up and down. This guy's like, I can't believe my father did this to me. My brother was a bum who does nothing, who never helped anything. He gave him a yacht. And me, I'm in this kayak going up and down and up and down. Finally, they had their fill. You know, he's got water in the kayak. He's emptying it. That was the poor kid. They say goodbye, you know, and they go. And he's going for a day and his hands are burning. And he's got blisters and his back is hurting. All of a sudden, he sees that his brother in the yacht, the boat, is standing in the water. It's not moving the boat. And his brother's screaming, Help! I'm stuck! I'm stuck! Help me! Help me! We're out of fuel! I can't believe Dad! He only put a quarter of a tank in! We're out of fuel! And the brother's a nice guy, the little boy. He's like, I wish I could help you, but there's only room for one in here. I don't have room. 
I would put you in here with me. If it was a rowboat, I'd put you in no matter how you treated me. There's no room. And he continues for another day. And there's his other brother in the sailboat. And there's no wind. And he's like, oh, there's no wind. Come on, take me with you. We'll split all the money. He's like, I wish I could. I wish I could. There's no room. And it takes him a week. And his back is broken and his legs are on fire. He's got blisters all over his hand. And he comes to the bank. And he sits down. And the banker looks at him. He says, so he opens the letter. You, this is your son, yes. And Taka, there's millions and millions and millions of dollars. Which he gets, never his two brothers get lost at sea. They're never found again. They're stuck out there in the ocean somewhere. Out of gas, out of wind. Have a good day. And there's a letter. With all the money. It says, even though it looked like your two brothers had the bigger boats, those boats were powered by other things. The boat I gave you was powered by you. And I knew that that power is the greatest power of all. And that's the lesson of the Mishnah. Yes, you see party boats and you see people floating by big houses and big cars and you see, you see the Risham of the world are having it easy and they're partying. But those boats never make it to the next world. They get stuck on this world. They don't have the power to make it to the next world. But the person who's the tzaddik, who's talking rowing, and he doesn't have the Mercedes, and he doesn't have all the other stuff, and it, he's rowing, and it looks hard, and he doesn't have enough money to make a wedding, and he has to raise money, and he has to go through, and he has to go through this. But when he comes to the next world, he gets the key to the great treasures of the next world, which are the real treasures, says the Mishnah. And the note says there that all the stuff in the world, the money and the covered, right? What does the mission say? Taiva, covered, and mamon. It takes him out of that other world. The, the, the gas and the schooner and, the, and, and all the big stuff take him out of the other world. But what gets you into the other world? The koyach of, of yourself. The koyach of the person himself. And that's why the mission says, Don't look at all the other people floating by on the boats. You're right, they're getting, they're gonna to get to halfway, but they're not getting into the next world. The person who works, the person who works hard, that kayak of a person himself, the, the vacus materials, what I spoke about, this, this shuas. The, the word, the key word, in the homogilus rus. Because rus represents Torah. The word rus, reish vav tof, right? Add Hashem to it, spells Torah. Rus herself represents Torah. The word, the word, the most important word in the homogilus. Virus, Taira, Dafkabo, the Vakis, glue stuck, didn't let go. Rus held, held on, Arpa let go. The, the Vakis of a person, the Amelis of a person, that's what gets him to the next world. The not letting go, the everyday davening with Minion, the everyday sitting and learning, whatever it is, five minutes, ten minutes, an hour, whatever it is, the, the Vakis, the glue, the, the, I don't, I won't let go. I'm not letting go. That the Vakis, that's what made Rus who she was. That's, that's what brought Mashiach. The Vidafka way. Had she get, let go like Arpa, right? They both held on. One let go and one, and, and, and one held on. And Vidafka brought Davar Amalek and, and Davar Amalek brought Mashiach. And, uh, Mashiach, we should be able to see him. Hey, we may know. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.